round about me and I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me Saul Saul why persecutest thou me verse number eight and I answered who art thou Lord and he said unto me I am Jesus of Nazareth whom thou persecutest and they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. Verse 10. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? That's the title of our message tonight. What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee all things which are appointed for thee to do. And we'll stop. You may be seated. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this day. Thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be together once again under your word tonight. Lord, thank you for a wonderful Sunday night here with your people. Lord, that this night that we remembered your sacrifice and your blood for our sins, and we were challenged to examine ourselves and judge ourselves and and we thank you, Lord, for such a, uh, the gracious gift of your blood to constantly remind us that we are forgiven. So we come before you tonight in prayer with all our petitions, Lord. Whether it's the family with uh, um, someone who has cancer running through their body, who's told three months to live, whether it's um, a, a, a doctor report of, um, of uncertain Alzheimer's, um, rather it's a, a mother who is um, sick right now in the hospital, um, rather it's whatever the situation, Lord, a father and a husband who's uh, having difficulties with his, their feet, um, uh, whether it's a women's conference that uh, a lady you hear must preach at or teach at this coming Friday, Whatever the littlest request we have brought before you tonight, Lord, you have heard our hearts. You've heard us, Lord, ask for prayer. And, and in asking, Lord, we're praying, Lord, that you will answer. Lord, I, I can't remember every request in this moment, but Lord, you never forget. You know what we need. You know our hurts. You know our problems. 
you know, the people that we love who are going through depression or going through a sickness or going through a fever or going through whatever it may be, a third degree burn, when, whatever the, the, the situation, Lord, you are the God who is mindful of us. We forget you often. We forget to pray often, but you never forget your children. You never forget what we're going through when we're going through it, Lord. You're there. Whatever that there is, you are there. And praise your holy name, you will carry us through by your grace and mercy. So we ask, Lord, that you will bless, that you will answer, that you will look after, that you will give what grace needs to be or what strength may need to be for whatever tragedy that we're going through or whatever problem we're facing. You will give us the answer. You will uh, direct our steps. Direct our children's steps. Whether we're looking for, they may be looking for a best friend or they don't know what they're going to do after school. Whatever their situation, Lord, direct their steps. Answer our prayers, I pray, by your grace. Even if that answer is no, Lord, give us strength to handle it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Tonight's message, uh, the title of our message is Acts. It's from Acts 22. The title is, What Shall I Do, Lord? What Shall I Do, Lord? Um, let's paint a little of our contest this evening. This scene that we're looking at in Acts 22, it began in chapter 20. When every city Paul was visiting, whatever city he was going through, the Holy Spirit had a witness there that was telling him, that he was going to be in bonds and afflictions, and that his future was bleak. Uh, his future was not bright. It was not going to be rainbows. There was going to be suffering. And Paul announced in chapter 20, verse 24, to the elders at Ephesus, to the church there, as they were crying on his shoulder, begging him not to go, begging him not to go forward. Just stay here. You'll be our bishop. Just stay here. I can imagine they were saying, you'll be our pastor. But he tells them in verse 24, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry, which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Then in chapter 21, Paul was walking around Jerusalem with a Gentile. Um, he, he was in fellowship with one of the people that he brought with himself into the temple, or so they say, into the temple. And this gave the Jews the opportunity to bring false accusations against Paul. Um, they began to beat him, literally just beat him right there, causing a riot in the temple. And at this moment, the Romans had to step in. You know, Romans are all about law and order. And so they stepped in and made swift move of the riot and quiet down the riot and pretty much locked up whoever was starting the riot. And they brought Paul. Paul was locked up. And at this moment, that brings us into chapter 22. In chapter 22, Paul is giving the chance to give his testimony to the Jews. And that's where we begin. Verse 1 said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. 
And then Paul, in verse number two, it says, And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence, and he said. So Paul begins his testimony by speaking in the Jewish language, um, speaking purely Hebrew, which was not big for the people to speak that in that day. That just tells everyone he's a very educated man. So Paul is testifying in the Hebrew language to the Hebrews. And this comes to our first point. What shall I do, Lord? If you're asking yourself tonight, if you're wondering, what shall I do, Lord? The first thing is be changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 and 5, Paul tells the people of God how he was changed in a moment. In a twinkling of an eye, his whole life was turned upside down. Let's read his testimony in verse 3. I am barely a man which am a Jew in Tartus, born in Tarsus, a city in Sicilia, Sicilia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous towards God, as ye all are this day. So he, he lets them know, I was just like you. And I persecuted this way. This way meaning the Christian way. Christians in that day were not known as Christians. They were known as those in the way. And he says, unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. I was not partial. Uh, he was not, um, um, he, he was equality in his persecution. And in verse 5, he says, As also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the, all the estate of the elders, that all the leaders, all the council of the Pharisees, everyone bear me witness, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. So Paul here lets them know this I was a I was a lost man. I was a man who was out to kill Christians, kill those in the way. I bind them, I took letters, I put warrants out, I put warrants out for their arrest, and I did the arresting myself. Verse number six goes on to say, and it came to pass that I as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Jerusalem, I mean Damascus, about noon. So the brightest time of the day. Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. At this moment, Paul's letting them know this is the moment my life was completely changed. If you want to know what God wants you to do in your life, if you're questioning, if you're, if you're worrying tonight, I don't know where you are, but if you're wondering what God wants me to do next in my life, remember God wants you to be changed. He wants you to be a light in this world. Or if you're not changed, get changed. Be the change or get changed. Uh, Paul goes on everywhere he, he, he writes in his epistles testifying of God's grace in his life, how God has changed him. Galatians 1.13, he, he says there, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past, my lifestyle in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. 
Um, chapter of 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 10, he testifies again, for I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which he was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Galatians 1, 23-24. Paul says this about his testimony. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in time past now preached the faith which once he destroyed. And they glorified God in me. First Timothy 1.13, he testifies again, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. One thing we need to get about Paul is everywhere he went, he testified. To everyone he came in contact with, he testified about what God had done in his life. I challenge you tonight. When was the last time you told someone about the change Jesus brought into your life? It is our life endeavor. What shall we do, Lord? What shall I do, Lord? Be the change. Tell people about the change God has brought in your life. And don't be ashamed of that. So Paul was a zealous. This is what he says about himself. He was a zealous, ignorant, wicked, religious, church-hating, and Jesus-killer. But when Saul met Christ, everything changed. He became the Paul, the apostle. The day the light of heaven shined on Saul was the day he stopped walking in darkness forever. What shall I do, Lord? Be changed. Second point. What shall I do, Lord? Be humble before the Lord. Let's look at verse number seven in our text. He says, and I fell unto the ground. Saul, you know what Saul never did? He never got off the ground. Now his body got off the ground that day, but his heart never got up. He stayed on the ground before the Lord. He stayed humble before the Lord. One thing we, we easily do in this Christian life is forget where we come from. And we forget that God is God and we are just creatures. And we must stay humble before the Lord. Paul showed this throughout his whole ministry. Um, look with me at 1 Timothy 1.15. He says these words, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Now, was Paul the worst sinner in the world? No. All sinners are equal. I don't care how good they thought they were, they all are sinners. We're all sinners. So he's not the worst sinner that ever lived. But you know, to Paul, he was the worst sinner he ever knew. To him. Why? Because he knew his heart. He knew his body. I, I thought about that Sunday night when Danny was talking about, you know, not eating the bread unworthily, and I, I fully understood. I loved the way he delivered that message, and I walked away from, and I think this is the way we all had to walk away from the table. 
that we are never worthy of that table. We're never worthy of that forgiveness. The day you think you're worthy of it, you're unworthy of it. This Paul was never, he never saw himself as worthy of the calling God had called him to. I'm the worst sinner. Colossians 1.1. 1, 1. Listen to the way Paul always reminded himself of who he was. Every letter he wrote, Colossians 1.1, 1, 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Not by the will of God. Not by the will of Paul, by the will of God. Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Galatians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, an apostle, not of man, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. 2 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. What shall I do, Lord? Be humble. We're not, we're, we're going back to the first point, you were not born for greatness. You were born sinner. You were born coming into the world to sin. I know I, I see the kid, the kid t-shirts and I, I see classrooms set up. You were born for wonderful things. No, you wasn't. You were born destined for hell, child of wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy, you need to be born again for greatness. We need to be born again for glory. We're not born and we come and grow and do great things because it's in our might. No, everything we are as Christians, everything I am as a preacher, everything you are as a servant of God, is by the will of God you are that. Be humble before the Lord. Thirdly, what shall I do, Lord? Be learning about the Lord. Look at verse number eight, verse number nine. We'll probably just stop at verse number eight. Paul says here, and I answered, who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus the master whom thou persecutest. You are never asking the wrong question when you are asking who is God. I am never asking the wrong question in my life when I'm asking God, who are you? What should we be doing every day, Christian? Learning more about Jesus. We, we are either learning about Jesus every day or we're going ignorant about Jesus every day. We're called to learn. We're disciples. The word literally means student. Jesus says you are going to be the master. Whoever your master is, whoever you're learning from, you're going to be just like him. You're not going to get away from being like the teacher that you you sit under every day. You're going to become their mannerism. You're going to dress like them, walk like them, talk like them. I tell you today, the greatest need in the world is to know Jesus. But as one writer said, the greatest need in the church is also to know Jesus. We need to know him more and more. Paul, you know what Paul never did? He never stopped learning about Jesus. He said it in Philippians 3, 7 to 11. You can turn there and write it down. Philippians 3, 7 to 11. He says, but what things were gained to me? What knowledge was gained to me as a Jew? 
Those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus Christ, of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead. It's the number one thing in your life to learn more about Jesus. Is that the number one thing in your life? How dare, how, how dare we say we come to a place where we know enough? How dare we come to a place where we can say, I'm just going to skip tonight's Bible study on. I'm going to skip Sunday school. I don't need to know more about Christ. Who are you? You must have a PhD. And I tell you, if you have a PhD, you did a lot of time of studying for that theological PhD. We are never, we never know him enough. I never know my wife enough. When I think I know about her, I soon realize I don't know. And I live with her every day. Jesus lives within you every day. And I tell you, you don't know enough about her. Is it dear enough to you? to know more about God, to binge less shows. Daniel, I'm going to just talk to myself here. Daniel, is it, is it dear enough to you to know more about God to binge less Netflix, Hulu? Is it dear enough to you, Daniel, to stay up late, drink some coffee, to read my Bible just a little longer? Because we know we, read, we, we, we drink coffee to do everything late. So is it dear enough is knowing him more dear enough to drink some coffee to stand with my Bible? Is it dear enough to me to buy more books? My wife is like, please don't let it be more dear. Is it dear enough to you to buy more books about God? To learn more about him? To, to count everything else as dumb? Like, yes, I want to do this, but, but I want to pick this up. But, you know, nobody likes to pick up doggy dogs, right? Like, nobody wants to pick up the dogs. I don't, anyway. But you got to something, right? But in, in that same attitude, is knowing Jesus enough to pick this Bible up instead of picking up that useless magazine or that useless remote that will not count for nothing in eternity? Like picking up that phone and look, I, look at my, I'm talking to me now, looking at my social media page. You know, I, I, I feel my greatest condemnation every Sunday. When I get the Apple, the Apple update, and it says, your screen time is up 10%. I just die right before I preach. It comes right before I preach. It's like, what, what in the world, God, why is God going to do me like this? I tell you, the saddest thing, when we get to heaven, we're going to thank God, and we're going to say, well, Lord, I didn't have enough time to read, and God's going to pull up our screen time. You didn't have enough time for it. Yeah, enough time for that, you too. Facebook, Twitter. You didn't have enough time to read? We are without excuse. What shall I do, Lord? Be learning about the Lord. Fourth, 
Let's be waiting on the Lord. Verse number 10. And I said, back in our text, and I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, arise and go into the basket, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. What shall I do, Lord? Be patient. Not getting ahead of the Lord is so hard in this culture of speed. There's always something to do. Even now, we're all thinking about what we got to do later. Paul here is blind. He wants to know what shall I do, right? It's not just all this. He, he wants to know what's next. And God tells him, you're going to wait three days. And then I'll tell you what you're going to do. Can you sit? We live in a culture of speed. You can't sit at the light for five seconds without somebody hunking at you. It upsets me so much. Even if it's not me, I cannot stand when somebody holds down the horn on somebody when the light just, it just changed. And I just hear this. I'm like, see, that's why people be getting in trouble. Patience is gone in the society. It does not exist. It makes it bad in a, in a world where we got to drive. It makes it bad when we don't have the fruit of the spirit of patience. There's nowhere in sight. It's not being coming back anytime soon. We can't sit in line for our food for five minutes until we're looking at the Wendy's employee like, come on. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but, you know, Sunday dinners back in the day did not come in five minutes. But we expect these little teenagers to make our food in five minutes. We should be kind of weary about them when they give it to you in 30 seconds. Like, these fries are full. We ask a, a generation of teenagers to make our dinner, and we don't got any patience. We struggle with waiting. But what shall I do, Lord? Wait on the Lord. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. A Christian without patience will not be an obedient Christian. Let me say that again to, to my left ear, my right ear. A Christian without patience will not be an obedient Christian. If patience is foreign to us, the Lord's will will be a stranger to us. Jesus is in no rush. Lord, help us wait. Psalm 41, 40 verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Next. Be in community with the Lord. Verse 11 to 13 in our text. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood. And said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. In the same hour I looked up upon him. I love this part of Paul's testimony. This, 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 these three verses is pretty much a smack to me, a smack to the anti-church culture. The anti-church membership culture that we live in. 
As you ask the Lord, what shall I do, Lord? The Lord will always whisper back to us, be faithful to a local, visible church. Paul, God could have gave him a sight. But Paul wanted, God wanted Paul to know, you need Christians. You need other humans. You can't do anything that you want to do, whatever you think you're going to do, without other people in your life. Paul is forced to wait on another man, wait on another Christian that he's going to persecute to actually give him his sight. In this anti-church membership culture, commitment's not high on our to-do list. It's just not. We want to keep our options open these days. That's why marriage is so low. People want to keep their options open. You know, as a fornicator, former fornicator myself, commitment wasn't high on my radar. To say I'm going to commit myself to a church is to say I'm going to give myself, I'm going to take responsibilities onto myself. I'm going to actually get in there and be a part of it. You know, it may not be high on our, our radar, but it's high on Jesus' radar. It's high on his to-do list. When Jesus prayed his high priestly prayer in John 17, 21, he prayed this way, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Jesus' goal, his plan, his purpose for the church is to be together. That's one. And this is still his prayer and will for his people today. Jesus' people need Jesus' people. We have, a, we have a personal relationship with God, but not a private relationship with God. It's public. God wants us needing and learning and loving one another. Paul could not receive his sight without a fellow believer coming to his aid. We need believers. It's God's will. We need discipling. It is God's will. We need preaching. It is God's will. We need sharpening. It is God's will. It is God's will that we need the local church. There's no way around it. Anyone that's thinking otherwise or lost in a universal church that we're all the church need to read their Bible really closely. It's called the Colossian Church, the Corinthian Church, the Ephesians Church, the Galatians. It's right before our eyes in the titles of the epistles that there's local, visible churches. It was never a letter written to the invisible universal church. You won't find it. God has called us to local community. What shall I do, Lord? Let's be in prayer to the Lord. I'm almost done. Verse 17 to 18. And it came to pass, back in our text, <clears throat> when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. Verse 18. And saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. Paul here knew what to do next because he prayed. You want to know God's will, what you shall be doing, what you shall do? 
Be in prayer for one another. Be in prayer for what God wants you to do. You may be asking, what, what shall I do next in this certain circumstance? The answer from heaven will always be pray. You need to pray. I need to pray. Paul lived a faithful life of prayer. He could rarely get through an epistle without praying. And I believe this is on purpose. He's showing them, I'm a man of prayer. You, church, need to be people of prayer. Colossians 1.9, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, 1 Thessalonians 2. Paul planned to put those prayers in those epistles to remind the people we are people to pray. We are people that must pray. You are either planning to pray or you are planning to not pray. I know. There's so many days I wake up and I did not plan to pray and I did not pray. I went to do what I was going to do for the day. And then when life hit me in the face, oh, Lord, thank you for this day. Oh, Lord, help me. I didn't pray because I didn't plan to pray. Paul was a man who prayed. Life is too busy. Our brains are too scattered. We must plan to pray. We will live a lot more holier if we pray a lot more. We will make a lot better decisions if we learn to pray more often. What shall I do, Lord? Pray. And then lastly tonight, be active for the Lord. Verse 14 and 15. And he said, the God of our fathers have chosen me, chosen thee. This is Ananias speaking to Paul here. That thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. First thing we see here is, what shall I do, Lord? Be active in witnessing. Ananias tells him he's going to be a witness. Paul, you're going to be a witness. Right after Saul was saved, baptized, he got the work. Ch chapter 9, verse 20 tells us, and straightway, he used marked words, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the son of God. Paul was a worker. He worked to testify. You may not have to go synagogue to synagogue. You're not called to go church to church. But I tell you, you have to be willing to work for the Lord and witnessing for the Lord. Lazy Christians accomplish nothing for the Lord. Back to 1 Corinthians 15, 10, Paul says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored. More abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. God has saved you to testify of that goodness. What shall I do, Lord? Be active in witnessing. What shall I do, Lord? Be active in spite of your past. Look at verse 19 and 20 in our text. And I said, Lord, they know that I am prison and beat in the, every synagogue 
them that believed on thee. And when the blood of the thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And God comes back at verse 21 and says, and he said unto me, depart. Get busy, boy. I don't care about your past. In spite of your past, I don't care if you was the one holding the coat of all the ones who stoned Stephen to death. You know, I, I used to, whenever a fight broke out in school when I was a kid, all you heard was, hold my coat. Hold my hat. It was, it was on. You knew. That's what Paul, Paul was the one that, I got your back. Go get him. Paul was the cheerer. He was the, he was the boaster for these men that stoned Stephen to death. He was there saying, get him. God said, I don't care about your past. Get active for me. In spite of all that you've done, depart. Just one word, depart. Oh, I tell you, child of God, God loves to write with crooked pens. In spite of all our flaws, in spite of all our mistakes, in spite of all our sins, in spite of all our lack of witnessing, God still wants to use you. Let's get active for him. Don't let your sins of yesterday, don't let your sins of tomorrow keep you from being his witness. He will not allow that excuse to hold up on the day of judgment. And then what shall I do, Lord? Be active in spite of persecution. Paul here was preaching to the Gentiles, preaching to the Jews. If you read this testimony all the way through, Right when he got to the point where he was, verse 21, let me read it. And he said unto me, depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And at that moment, the whole crowd changed. And the Jews got rowdy. <laughs> In verse 22, and they gave him audience unto, unto this word. And then lifted up their voice, voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. For it is not fit that he should live. These people, they, they, you, yeah, you can preach to the Jews. Oh, yeah, your testimony, great testimony, wonderful testimony. Oh, God did that. Wow, God did. God said that. Party over. This is an unfinished sermon. This might be the only sermon Paul never finished. These people got upset. They persecuted Paul. He said in Ephesians 3, 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. He's only in prison because of the, his reaching, his ministry to the Gentile church. I tell you, in spite of the persecution, in spite of the ridicule that we're going to face in this world more and more, I passed the priest about it a couple weeks ago, the, the great reward that is waiting for us who are persecuted, who are slandered for his great name's sake. Let us be preachers. Let us be teachers. Let us be his witness. Let us get active, church. What shall I do, Lord? Be changed. Be humble. Be learning. Be patient. Be in community. Be in prayer. And be active for the Lord. But if you're lost tonight, your first step, what shall you do? 
Let's be changed tonight. Whether you listen to me through video, whether you're here under the sound of my voice, be changed. I love what Ananias told Paul. And now, why tearest thou? Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, verse 16, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. There's no better time to get right with the Lord than right now. God is calling lost sinners to himself to give them a purpose beyond this life. He's called us, child of God. If you're saved, we're saved. And I believe everyone here will say, I'm saved tonight. He's calling us to a higher calling than just a mundane day in and day out, work in, work day out, retirement, entertainment. He's calling us to something greater than that. And we can enjoy that and be partakers in that if we just say, what shall I do, Lord? And do what he says in his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, grace, and mercy. Thank you for your word, Lord. Your word is better than I can ever preach it. Paul is not an anomaly. He's not a super Christian. He's not some alien Christian that we hang up on a plaque and we, we say great things about. No, what you did in him... You want to do in us. No, we may not have saw the, a great light around us the day we were saved, but that day we were saved, light entered into our souls. And Lord, we, we humbled ourselves before you. We said, we're going to follow you, Lord, that initial day. We were excited. We were ready to go because you changed our lives. And Lord... Paul never got away from that ground. He never got away from that testimony. He never got away from that change. He never got so high and mighty. He, he never got less active in his walk, less active in his witness. Lord, help us not be children of our culture. Be children of this Christian culture. Uh, help us, Lord. Be people of God who are in community, who are in prayer, who are patient who are loving, who are witnesses for you. Give us strength. As the days waste forward, as the days go forward, as your coming draws near more and more in this evil day, help us be your people that say, what shall I do, Lord? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.